Kenny, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how we first got to know each other. I was playing basketball over at Wilson, and you came in one night towards the end of the season playing, and it got real, real intense between you and one of the other guys. Went home that night, told my wife about it. She said, well, who was it? I said, well, this guy named Chris. What did he look like? I described it. She goes, that's Chris Bunch. He's going to be a pastor. I said, really? That was kind of cool. Yeah. So we we met each other, and then we started uh, hanging out at Southside Games mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and started building a friendship. And uh, then I remember just continuing to spend some time praying that God would kind of soften your heart. And then a moment kind of came in your life in which that took place. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's when my mom got sick was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I talked to her, asked her if she wanted you to come out and pray with her because, you know, you were a pastor. You were our pastor at the time. And she uh, was kind of hesitant at first. You know, she was, she was good with God. But she finally, you know, I kept asking her, you know, kind of like you kept praying for me, and it was, it was good. She finally said yes. So he came out that night, prayed with us, and we got out in the driveway and we're talking I told you you know in the drive I said you know if I'm ever going to see her again in heaven I got to change what I'm doing I can't live the way I've been living you kind of you prayed with me there in the drive and led me towards accepting Christ and that was probably the biggest thing you know in my life and you know I don't tell so many people this that I love them I'll tell you this, brother, I love you. You know, there's nothing better than changed lives. That's why the JAR exists. That's why we're here. We love to see people like Kenny, who I prayed for for close to 10 years, come to a moment where they realize that God loves them so incredibly much and that there can be a new relationship with him. My name's Chris. I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, if you would, I'd like you to pull out this little card that was in your program when you walked in that says Circle of Three. And uh, if you didn't get one, just raise your hand. Uh, One of our greeters uh, will get them for you. But I'd like you to pull this out. A couple of uh, years ago, uh, we we started something called uh, a Circle of Three. And the whole point was we wanted to create a very simple way that people could pray for, connect with, and also invite people uh, into a relationship with God. But not just anyone, uh, not people who live in other states, but people who you connect with weekly. So friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, people that you know who are disconnected from Christ for the church, and that... You could invest in their life, and in a real way, you could see something change. And so we just said, hey, what we're asking for is for people to pray for a person, and then to connect with them weekly, and then to invite them when they can. Well, uh, we've seen dozens and dozens of people's lives uh, change, just like Kenny's, and to actually find them making a commitment to Christ and their lives and their families um, being changed. And so we don't want to keep this just to a few people. 
but we want to invite everyone to start thinking about who is their circle of influence that they could pray for. So with this card, what I'd like you to do is to think of a coworker, neighbor, friend, uh, someone who is disconnected from Christ or the church and to write their names on the outside circles. And on the middle circle, that's your name because you're connected to each one of them. And we just really believe that as God um, opens up doors and you pray for these people, that lives will be changed. Now, I never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I'm going to show you um, who my uh, three people are. We're going to uh, put that up. And uh, Troy and uh, John and Eric. And so um, those are the guys that I invest in, that I'm praying for. Uh, and inviting. So I'd like you to take a couple of moments, because I know if you don't do it now, you'll never do it, to write these down. And you can either email them to me, or if you want, you can actually go on to our JAR app, um, and let me read it exactly the way you're supposed to do it. Just open up our JAR app at the App Store. You tap on the circle of three, and that will take you to a page where you can actually fill out your three names and give your email. So if you have a smartphone, just pull that out real quick. Otherwise, write them down, and you can email them to me at chris at thejar.org. So go ahead. We'll give you some time right now. Uh, just like mine, uh, if we flip it back there, guys, just like my card, that's the way uh, that it would look that you'll just write those names. So go ahead. We'll give you some mood music to go with that, all right? Okay, so uh, keep filling that out. Um, I've done this teaching once. It may be good, but it may not, too. So uh, you can write down people's names and uh, go ahead, keep doing that. One person, two people, and then please uh, email that to me. And as a staff, what we've committed to do is that we will be praying for the names of your people. And we will pray for that um, monthly, and we will continue to be praying um, as God works in their life. Well, I'd like to begin this morning by asking this question. This is kind of a voting question, if you could just raise your hand, if you're comfortable, comfortable with that. Who hates waiting? Who hates waiting? Okay, look at that. A lot of uh, hands up there. Okay. Now, who hates waiting for water to boil? Anyone hate for, yeah. You know, in the first celebration, no one raised their hands. I'm like, you don't have kids. I make macaroni and cheese all the time. My wife is a physician, and you would think we would eat healthy, and we don't. We eat macaroni and cheese all the time. Uh, that's it. But I hate for water to boil. Okay. Uh, who hates for... Uh, is my wife here? Uh, probably. Sorry. Uh, all right. <laughs> who, wait, who hates for the uh, traffic light 
to turn green. Who, who hates waiting for that? Okay. Who hates waiting on their spouse or significant other? Okay. No, no, no. Put your hands down. Put, no, no. We don't want relationships to be broken up here. Okay. But all of us have this tendency that we hate to wait. And today, what I want to talk about is when God seems late. When we're praying and we're believing and we're asking for God to do something and we're waiting and we're waiting and waiting and it just seems like He doesn't come through. And if you're like me, sometimes when it doesn't happen on my timetable, I begin to start saying, Why? Like, why God? Why doesn't something happen? Why doesn't something happen to it? Now, I don't know what your it is. Maybe your it is your finances. Maybe your it is your health. Maybe your it is a relationship. Maybe your it is some kind of job need or medical need. But if you're really being honest, just blatantly honest, here for a second, I want to ask you this morning, if you've ever like questioned God with this kind of version, why didn't God do something about it? Just raise your hand. Why, God, didn't you do something about it? Okay. Now, those who didn't raise their hands, what do we call them? Liars. That's right. So if you're here for the very first time, sorry we just called you out. You're a liar. But everyone's had that question before, right? You can't sit there and go, no, I haven't. We've all been there before. Because the truth is, we all ask the question, God, why don't you do something about it, whatever that is, and we don't understand when he doesn't follow through with that. It just seems like something that doesn't make sense. And the reality is some of you today are in a waiting season. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to come through in some way. And the hard thing is you see it in other people's lives. You see their lives changing. You see other people being impacted. And yet God doesn't do what you think he should do. It's hard, isn't it? It's really, really hard to wait. To wait for God to move. Whatever the situation, it doesn't matter what it is, if you have to wait, it almost feels as if God's not listening. And you wonder, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Why are you making me wait? And so this leads us to our big idea that I want us to focus in on today. It's your first fill-in in your program, or you can do it on our app as well. And it's this. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Now, the way we're going to learn about this today is by looking at a story of three of Jesus' closest friends, uh, one of his best buddies named Lazarus, and then his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, Lazarus wasn't just anybody. Lazarus was his homeboy, okay? I mean, this was his best friend. This was a person he was down with, he grew up with, he knew. And then there were these two sisters. Mary was the introvert. 
who'd like to sit at Jesus' feet and learn and have wisdom, and she didn't talk a whole lot. And then there was Martha, the busybody, who wanted to make sure that the house is always good and the food's fine. Jesus is coming. Come on, let's get it all together, people. Now, some of you in this place are like Martha. You need medication, okay? That's what you need. And then some of you are like Mary, and you're like, whatever, you know, no big deal, don't care about the house, you know, you're all good. Now, the point I want you to see here is that regardless of your personality, and this is what happens sometimes, sometimes people who are really extroverted are like, oh, man, I have this real close relationship with God. And then sometimes people who are introverted say, no, I I don't. Folks, it doesn't matter your personality with God. This is the thing. God created you, and he loves your personality. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be as close to you as you're willing to allow him to be. So these are his best friends. And everything's going well. And then one day, Jesus is off, and Lazarus gets sick. Their brother gets sick. And he gets, like, really, really sick. But Mary and Martha are like, no big deal. Jesus will send him a message, and then all of a sudden, he'll come back, and everything will be good. He can heal our brother. Because he's healed many other people, I'm sure he'll heal Jesus, or he'll heal Lazarus. And they're confident that he's going to come. But sometimes, folks, God doesn't make sense. Let's go ahead and look at this story in John chapter 11. It's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And John was one of Jesus' disciples, and he writes about this story that he saw. And this is what it reads. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now, how did they send word? Well, they text him, right? So everybody sends word now, right? Now, actually, back in these days, you would take a messenger, and you would either write it down and give it to the messenger, and the messenger would take it, or many people couldn't write, so they would just tell the message, they'd pay somebody, and they would go and tell that. And so they go to Jesus, and this is what they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, how many people do you love? Probably several people, right? How do you know it's the one? Isn't that kind of interesting? They don't say Lazarus, but it was just kind of assumed that Jesus and Lazarus were so tight, they were homeboys, that they were best friends, they hung out together, and Jesus just knew this is the one. And the sisters are just sure that Jesus is going to drop everything because this is the one and come and bring healing to him. I mean, they've been in small groups together. They've been at each other's house. They'd fed Jesus, fed all his disciples. They'd done many things before. And so they wait and they wait and they wait. And Jesus doesn't show up. And they're like, well, maybe the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go to bed. Next day, Jesus comes. They wait and they wait. And they look down the road. They're like, ah, is that him? No, that's the mailman. Hey, Fred, good seeing you. 
All of a sudden, they look down a little bit. Oh, UP. Oh, UPS. Nope, not UPS. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, FedEx. No, that's not Jesus. Jesus is not that. Yeah, no, no. And it finally gets to night. And they're like, surely it's coming. I mean, this, this is that time. Eventually. Next morning, Mary and Martha get up. They're like, ah, Jesus is such a good guy. I bet, like, roads. The roads are bad. Bad weather. Sure, he's going to bring some donuts. You know, uh, bring one of those uh, McDonald's, you know, little meals or something for us. And, like, take care of us. And so they wake up in the morning. They're all excited. And he's not there. Like, we believe. We know. We know he's Jesus. Then chances are they did a little bit of a thing that I do sometimes in situations like this. And I start reminding God, hey, God, I need to remind you why you need to come through for me. Uh, God, I'm a really good person. I mean, look at me. I'm a pastor of a church, you know? Like, surely you're going to meet my need, right? And remember that person that had this GoFundMe page. They're dealing with all kinds of issues. And, you know, God, you remember how much money I gave that? I mean, like, woo-hoo, press. Um, and, God, I listen to Caleb all the time, even when they play the songs over and over and over again. God, I don't care. I, I'm, I, I love you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing that, too. And remember on Facebook last week? I mean, I was bold. I was so bold. I put a scripture verse out there. It was me. I did it. Big, bold witness. You know, that's me. And God, I serve in the church. I mean, holy cow. I mean, I, I even serve in Jar Kids. I mean, you know, those, those tiny little two-year-old and three-year-old crack kids, you know, like, they're, they're like, just joking. Okay, not really. But, you know, the ones that, like, actually, like, pick their boogers and eat them, like, I'm... God, I love them anyways. You know, I, I just clean it off. I take care of them. I mean, I, I, this is me. This is how much I love you. So, God, I do all these kind of things. So, certainly, you're going to do this for me. Mary and Martha. Jesus, you've been in our home. We've made meals for you. You and Lazarus are best friends. You know, the one you love. You don't even have to say his name. And You're coming, right? You're, you're close, Jesus. You're close. And Jesus never shows up. But with God, folks, a waiting season is never a wasted season. You see, some of you right now, you're in a waiting season. You're waiting for something to happen, and you're praying, and you're believing, and maybe you're here at church for the first time, and you're like, hey, I'll give God a chance. I'll, I'll do whatever. I just need this to happen. And yet, it's like nothing has taken place. And so this morning, I want to give you some encouragement of two things that you can remember when you're in a waiting season. Because the reality is, we're either... Waiting right now, we're getting ready to go into a waiting season, or we just came out of one. So you're going to need this, so write these down. Here's the first thing. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Let me say that again. God's delays are not necessarily 
God's denials. In other words, just because God hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that he's not going to do it. Just because God hasn't answered the prayer now doesn't mean that God is never going to answer that prayer. In fact, in verse 4, we read about Jesus. It'll come up on the side screen. When he had heard this, what had he heard? Or what, what had he heard? He had heard that his friend was sick, very, very sick. His homeboy was sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Then he said something really, really profound. He goes, no, 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 no. It's for the glory of God so that God's Son may be glorified through it. In other words, Jesus is like, hey, I know what's going on. I'm still in control of things. If you remember, I was there at the very beginning when everything was created, and so I have power to control all of this kind of stuff. And it's not the end of the story, but because of my bigger purpose, you're going to see me, Jesus, glorified, high, and lifted up. Remember, folks, that delays are not necessarily God's denials. In fact, I would argue that sometimes what we experience is what I call a divine delay. It's actually a divine delay. It's a point in which God orchestrates a delay for our good. In other words, God may do what you want, like he wants to do what you want. He really does want to do that. He's just saying not now because he has a different purpose for you. In fact, I'd argue all day long that many times this is the truth, folks. God wants to do something in you before he wants to do something for you. Let me say that again. For many of you, God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. I was trained as a uh, history teacher, and I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher so bad, and I applied to multiple different teaching uh, positions and in different states, and this is what I really, really wanted. And I was working at the American Playground Factory in Anderson, Indiana, making $5.05 an hour. Woo-wee! You know, I was like, Jen, you want to marry me? She's like, five dollars and five cents. Go. Yeah, boy. (laughs) And I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and I'm applying for all of these teaching jobs and nothing comes. And you know what? God was doing something in me before he did something for me. You know what he started doing in me? He started helping me to be more patient, to be more faithful, to trust him more than I trust myself, to be able to realize that maybe he has a plan bigger than my own. And he was teaching me to depend upon him. I'm going through something right now, actually, where I'm asking God, and I'm getting little to nothing, and I've been waiting and waiting and praying and praying. And on Thursday... I was reading my scripture, and this was the scripture. I didn't choose it before, but here's the scripture. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path. 
Thanks a lot, God. And so often what he's trying to do is teach me to be more patient on him than to try to have my own way. He wants to do something in me before he does something for me. Folks, just because God hasn't done it yet, it doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Back to the story. Mary and Martha. You got to come, Jesus. You got to come. You got to come. You got to come. You got to come. You're coming, right, Jesus? You're coming. You're, we're, we're waiting on you. We're waiting. We're, we're, we know you're going to come. You're our best friend. I mean, ah, Lazarus is sick. They bring in that hospital bed, you know, that is in there, and everybody knows, man, there, there's not much time left, and they bring the hospital bed in, and they're like, but, but we're sure he's going to come, but why isn't he here yet? And finally, they, they look, and they're like, get all the family in here. What, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus at? And they get all the family there, and the rabbi's there, but Jesus isn't there, and then all of a sudden, you see Lazarus. And he takes his last breath and he dies. And Jesus is a no-show. Folks, where's God in this? <laughs> you know what Jesus is doing? If you read the context around it, you know what Jesus is doing? He was healing a Roman soldier. The Romans, the enemy. In other words, he's healing an enemy and his friend is dying and Jesus is a no show. What's up with that? What do we do when God doesn't make sense? Well, eventually Jesus arrives. And he's kind of insultingly rude, to be quite honest. He comes so late that the funeral is over. The body's already been put in the tomb. And now all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Think about it. Someone that you love, you really, really love, and someone just shows up to your door one day, Hey, I'm here! Where were you a few days ago? Funeral's over. Lazarus' body's in the tomb. You're too late, Jesus. You're too late. How could you be so thoughtless? We thought we were closest of friends. And you know the sad thing is, is that Jesus not only didn't come to heal him, he didn't even come just to comfort them when they were mourning the death of their brother. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for what? What's it say? How long? Four days. Four days. If you read on in the text, what happens to a body once it's been dead for four days? It decomposes. It starts to decompose. The NI version says this. By this time, his body had a bad odor. 
So they didn't have like these nice little funeral homes where you go and you're like, oh, look, nice little body. Everything smells good. Potpourri all around. No, 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 no. It's bad. In fact, the King James Version, this is what it says. It's actually quite hilarious, I think. This is what it says. By this time, he stinketh. So they kind of get close to the tomb and they're like, whoo, four days dead. He stink. Some of you are like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and see if it's in the King James. Go ahead, do it. He stinketh. In other words, he was rank. Okay? Now, it's important to understand the four days because many times people do not get this. I didn't get this until I looked at it this week. The reason why this is so tremendously important is because people in the first century had this superstitious belief that the soul of a person hovered over the body for three days. So there was a chance still that a miracle might be able to happen if Jesus got there in time because the soul is hovering over the body. But once you got to the fourth day, the spirit was gone. So the body is dead and the spirit is gone. And Lazarus is dead. And the spirit is gone and the family has no hope. Jesus lets us down in this moment. You're like, Jesus, why why did you let us down? You failed us. You did not come through. You didn't show up. I don't get this. And Jesus, you could have healed our brother, but you chose not to. We served you. We loved you. We cared for you. We did everything for you, and yet you didn't show up. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. I bet she did. Because you remember Martha, right? Like Martha was the busybody person that will get in your face. Now Mary, she's back at home. Mary's just like in a corner crying, feeling sad, sulking, everything. Uh Uh-uh, not Martha. Martha's looking down the road. Where's he at? Oh, he's coming down the road. Now, I don't know if that's in the Bible, okay? I don't. But don't you think it just had to happen that way? Because look at what is said right here. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. You, talking to you, son of God, healer, where are you? Now, why she get up in his face? Because she's hurt. She's sick. She's angry. Didn't you get my text? Don't tell me you didn't get my text. You got my text every single time I had to 
get something for you to eat and your disciples. You texted me back on that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Martha's had it. And she doesn't mind giving Jesus this. Jesus, what were you thinking? Why didn't she come? Tell me, why didn't she come? I thought we were tight. I thought we were close. I thought we were connected. And then I love the reality of the text. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Then the very next verse. But I know, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You know, I love the reality of Scripture because this would be so true of where I live my life quite often. God, where are you? Why didn't you come? Why, why aren't you here? Why aren't you doing this right now? I don't understand, but God, I still think you can. I'll still trust Last week, I told you about my brother, Tim, if you were here last week. And my brother, Tim, has been uh, addicted to drugs and has battled mental illness his entire adult, his entire adulthood. And for 20 years, when I turned 26, I started praying for him regularly. My parents have prayed for him even longer than that. And I've done everything I can to kind of reach out to him, to try to help him. We've spent thousands of dollars for rehab, mental illness stuff, all kinds of things, and his behavior has not changed. And sometimes I'm like, come on, God. Come on. Don't you see the pain my parents are going through? Look at my 8-year-old and 10-year-old. They don't even know who their uncle is. Why are you letting this happen to our family? I mean, why our family? God, why us? I, I mean, God, look, I'm a pastor. I give my life away to a lot of people and I see other families and I actually help them and they get reconciled and everything's good. But then I look at my own family and it's not good. Why not my family? And for the past two years, Tim has been estranged from our family. And a year ago, he cut off everything, no text that we've had in a year. And this past Wednesday was his birthday. April 11th. And I sent a text. Love you, bro. Happy birthday. And I got nothing. You know what Wednesday should have been? Wednesday should have been the day in which we had the big birthday cake and everybody brought presents and everyone's there together and we cut the cake and there's reconciliation and there's love and the family's there and all of that's there. And folks, it's not happening. 
And I look up at God, I'm like, God, why? Why my family? Why my relationship with my brother? And then Thursday came, you know, with that scripture. Don't be impatient. But God, I just don't understand. But I'll trust you. I love how the Bible is so real. And you know what? I think God really understands. I really do. I think he totally would rather us be honest with the frustrations that we have and that we cry out to God in those moments rather than trying to hide what it is. And we can go, God, I... And I think God looks down at us and says, I understand, I understand, but, but this isn't over yet. The story's not done yet. The reality is some of you are there right now, aren't you? You're waiting on something, just like I am. I'm waiting for that moment for there to be reconciliation with my brother. You're waiting on something, and it just hasn't happened yet. The financial situation that you keep on trying, and you're praying, and you're asking, and I'll work, I'll do whatever, it's just not turning around. You're fighting for your marriage, and it seems like the more that you fight, the more that they distance themselves and pull away, and you're like, God, I'm doing everything I can. Why is this happening? You're praying for someone that you love, a child, a brother, a sister, something for there to be a miracle that comes, and it doesn't happen. And you're like, God, you're not meeting my expectations. I serve you, I follow you, I go to church, I do the things that need to be done, and it's not happening. Why aren't you doing what I asked for? And when you're waiting, this is what you need to remember. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let's put it this way. Jesus wasn't there. Lazarus died. And now these two sisters are grieving. And yet in verse 22, Martha says this, But I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus, I still believe, I still think you can do something. I still have a little bit of hope, but it's leaving, God, because this is the thing. My brother's dead now. The spirit is gone. It's done. It's over. I just don't know anymore. Are you the one? But this is the thing for your story and my story. Sometimes we read up to verse 22 and we think the story's over and we stop reading. See, some of you right now, you're on verse 22. That's where you're at. You're waiting. It seems like it's not working out. But if you got to verse 23, you might just hear this. Let's read it out loud together. Verse 23, let's read it out loud together. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Again, your brother will rise again. No, no, I don't think you see this, so I'm going to bring it back. Bring back verse 22 again. 
Martha says, but I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. I, I don't know, but I, I think, but he's dead. I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out. I just don't see it coming. But the story's not over. So then we have to go to verse 23. And then again, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And now Martha's confused. She's like, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yes, Jesus, I realize that one day the dead in Christ will rise, that everyone will come to heaven. I get that. I know one day that's going to happen. I'll see him again, but not right now. And Jesus says, no, 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 girl. You don't understand. I'm talking about something right now. You thought that what you wanted was best, but what I have for you is actually better. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus is like this. You thought the resurrection was an event. Like two weeks ago, that's the resurrection. We celebrated Easter. Oh, resurrection, Jesus raised the dead. Oh, God. Now April 2nd. Oh, man. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. I'm the real deal. I'm here. And when it happens in your life, when you turn to me, death no longer will have the final say. Death is not the end of the game. Folks, if God always met your expectations, you see, he would never be able to exceed them. What was Martha and Mary? What, what were they hoping for? Healing. Jesus said, no, 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 we're not going to do healing. We're going to do some resurrection. Not just heal him, we're going to resurrect him from the dead. Today, many of you are praying for something and you don't see God working in it. And if you got exactly what you wanted right now, it would not be the best thing for your life. For example, some of you are in a relationship and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've just got to marry him. I've got to marry him. I've got to marry him. And if I broke it off, no one would want me, and I've got to marry him. And if you wait long enough and you listen to God, three years from now, when you're married to the other him, you might just say, I'm so glad I didn't get with the first him. Thank you, Jesus, that I did not get that loser the first him. I got the other him. And he's so much kinder and loving and caring. And I don't need a man just to exist. I can actually uh, love myself and learn. And God will send it in good time. And the thing is that what you wanted was not as good as what God might have for you in three years. You want a job. I want a job. I want a job. I want a job. I want a job. And you don't get the job. I tried for seven months to get a teaching job, never got a job. But the reason you're sitting here right now is because I didn't get that job. See, sometimes you want something really bad. I want the job, I want the job, I want the job. And then you don't get the job. And then nine months later, you get a job that you love and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, you look at the job that you wanted that you just had to have. God, I got to have this job. I got to. And now all of a sudden, they're laying people off and it's bad news. And you're like, oh, God, I'm so grateful that you didn't give me what I wanted, but you exceeded my expectations. 
And so Martha and Mary, they cry out, we want you to heal him. We want you to heal him. We want you to heal him. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to heal him. Actually, I'm going to do one more than that. I'm actually going to resurrect him from the dead. You know, he stinketh, remember? He stinketh. Because what you expected was not what I wanted. I had something planned for you that's much better. And so this is what happens. Jesus shows up. And all the people around and they get to the tomb. Woo. Jesus is like, roll the stone away. Just roll it away. And when he had said this, The scripture says in verse 43, he called out in a loud voice. Everybody say loud voice. Now say it loud. Loud voice. Okay. Now, why do you think Jesus had to cry out in a loud voice? Why did he have to call Lazarus out in a loud voice? Because if you've been dead for a while, folks, dead people don't heal or hear very well. So Jesus comes up and he's like, Lazarus, dead boy, my homie, come back to life. And this is what the scripture says. The dead man, what? What's it say? The dead man came out. The dead man came out. The dead man came out. God did not give them what they expected. He exceeded their expectations. Folks, I want you to understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And sometimes maybe God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And if you're in a waiting season right now and you're waiting and you're waiting, I get it, I've been there before. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Folks, just because you don't see it now doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Because this is the truth about the Christian God. He is amazing. He is powerful. He is a miracle-moving, kind of God. And Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. So if you're dead in some area of your life right now, if you feel dead and you're waiting for something, it's not coming, you're just like, I feel dead. I want you to know that he will give you life, resurrection kind of life. See, some of you are on verse 22 right now. You're at verse 22 and you're like, I don't know, God, I just don't see this. And sometimes, you know, all you have to do, folks, is you just have to flip the page. And if you flip the page, maybe, no, not maybe, maybe, no, you flip the page and God gives you something better Heavenly Father, we thank you so much.
for your Holy Spirit that is present today. Help us to be honest, God, and to trust you. Right now, God, I just have this sense that there are people in this place right now that they've been waiting and waiting and asking for you to move in some area of their life. God, they're discouraged and they feel like it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And what they need right now is strength and faith from you to believe that you are still a God who performs miracles. That they need your strength. So right now, if there's something in your life in which you're just crying out to God right now, God, why haven't you done it? Why haven't you reached out? If there's something like that in your life and you just need the strength to believe that maybe, just maybe, I won't give up. I'll I'll trust him one more time. If there's something in your life that you're just like, God, why haven't you moved in this area? Would you just raise your hand right now? No one else can see it, but just raise your hand. God, in this one area. Father, I pray right now for each person who has a hand lifted up to you, God. They're in a waiting season. They're waiting for you to move, God. Remind them that it's not wasted. Teach them to turn to you, to depend upon you, to trust you more than you they trust themselves. God, do a miracle in some of these lives. Move in healing. Provide forgiveness. Bring reconciliation to families and to people. We pray for jobs, God. We pray for financial provision. We pray for each person, whatever their greatest need is, God, what their need is, that you would meet it and that you would give them the strength to trust in you and put your hand up. Today, some of you, though, you're here and the reality is you've hit rock bottom. And you're just giving this God thing one more chance, but you're like, I don't know truth is you're hurting you've messed up and you're like I need something different I need something better let me tell you about a God that doesn't make sense a God who loved you so much that he went to a cross and he said I'll take all of their sins all of their mistakes hang ups everything they do wrong put it on me and if they'll turn to me An exchange will take place where I will take up on all of their mistakes and they will receive my forgiveness and love. Because he's the resurrection and the life. And so maybe today, today's your day. Today's the day that you would give your life to him, your one and only life. And he promises that if you'll do that, he'll always be with you here on earth. He promises that. And he'll give you the strength for eternal life. So today, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need a second chance. I need the assurance of heaven. If you're ready to receive him now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we never pray alone here at the jar. We always pray together. In one voice. And so I just invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. 
Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Hi, everybody. I'm Emily. And um, if you just prayed that prayer with Chris for the first time, or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ today, we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you along your journey of faith. And so we want to invite you to stop by um, um, to our Accepted Christ table back in the corner here where Abby is. And she would love to just give you a little gift to remember today and a Bible um, and to pray with you there. And then also Chris had mentioned this Connect card earlier. And so if you want to go ahead and pull that back out. And um, once again, if you did pray that prayer with him today, there's a little checkbox on the back that says, I accepted Christ today. Um, And we'd love for you to check that so we can just um, follow up with you and kind of, like I said, help you along your journey of faith. And um, you can continue filling out that Connect card, the rest of it, and we'll we'll receive an offering in just a minute. And so you can drop that card um, into the offering bags when those come by. Um, And we also just want to encourage you to download that app, the JAR app. Um, You can always fill out your Connect card on the app, and there's a bunch of really cool things um, that you can do with that. So you can find that on the uh, App Store or the Play Store. Just search for the JAR Community Church. Well, at this time, we're going to receive an offering. So if I could have the greeters come forward. And if you're new here today, we don't want you to feel any kind of pressure to give. We're more concerned about just getting to know you today. Um, But if the jar is your church home, then we just um, ask that you give as God leads you in a generous way. um, And just uh, because we have a God who has given so generously to us. So please pray with me. God, I thank you so much that um, you're here today. I thank you for speaking to us through Chris's teaching. Um, And God, now as we just give back to you, um, I pray that we would do it with a joyful heart and that what we give, you would use to reach people in our community and to bring them into a relationship with you. Amen. All right. Well, um, if you are new here, we would love for you to stop by our guest connection table, um, which is right back there where Evelyn's waving. And they have a, she has a free gift for you, no strings attached. And she just wants to make you feel welcome here and answer any questions that you might have about the jar. Um, so make sure you stop by there. And uh, just a reminder, earlier today, Chris talked about that circle of three card and those three people in your life that are not connected with God um, and to just be able to write those down and start praying for those people. And um, just a reminder that you can email those names to Chris at chrisofthejar.org or get onto the app and um, put those names in there. So um, just a reminder to do that so that we can be praying for those people with you. Um, Well, next week, um, we're going to be having um, something coming up called Explore Faith. And uh, if you are maybe here and you're still trying to kind of figure out this whole Jesus thing, you're not really sure what you believe, or maybe you're like, you know, I'm all in, I'm a follower of Jesus, but um, I want to grow. I want to learn more about reading the Bible and praying, and I want to grow deeper in my walk with God. Um, Then this is definitely the class for you. So I want you to take a look at the side screens to learn a little more about that. Have you ever asked yourself one of these questions? Which religion is true? Can I know Jesus personally? Is the Bible accurate? What's the best way to read my Bible? How do I pray? Why did Jesus die? Is baptism even important? If you've ever asked one of these questions, it's time to come to Explore Faith. 
floor phase will start next week. It'll be right after church, and lunch and child care will be provided. You can sign up right now on the app, um, or you can head over to the resource table after church, and you can sign up there. Um, well, this time I'd like to have um, our prayer team come forward, and if there's anything today that um, you have a need that you'd like prayer for, we want to welcome you to come up and receive that. Okay, well, the prayer team will be up here on each side of the uh, screen, and so if you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love to pray uh, with you. Uh, let's stand uh, as we uh, close out. Well, remember, when you're waiting, with God, a waiting season, if you're in a waiting season, it's never a wasted season, and that God's delays don't mean that God's denying something. And that there is really, there really is, that if God met every one of your expectations, he'd never be able to exceed them. So this week, as you go through your week, live with hope of knowing that he wants to exceed what you have, but will you trust him enough to be faithful as you wait? Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place, everybody. Have a good one.